take me right back to the trap. Jack. Batter up, hear that call. The time has come for one and all to listen to the A League of Their Own recap podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Bergier, and thank you for joining me again. I have to say, I have been having an absolute blast recapping these episodes and watching the show, and I'm so excited for you to hear what's to come. I've got a great guest joining me today, and in some of our future episodes, the writers who actually wrote the episode will join me to recap them and give us all sorts of behind the scenes and early draft details. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes because with the show coming out all at once, I'm putting these episodes out as quickly as I can so it won't be on a set schedule. Also, if you're enjoying it, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and rate it five stars. Leave a review. It will help other people find it and share in the joy that is this show. All right, let's get out of the locker room and onto the field. Today, I'll be recapping episode two, titled Find the Gap. It's written by Abby Jacobson and directed once again by Jamie Babbitt. Joining me to talk about it is a hilarious comedian and actor who has appeared on Shrill. Coming up to the plate, let's make some noise for Jess Henderson. Jess, thank you so much for being here and recapping episode two of A League of Their Own with me. Hi, thanks for having me. Are you excited? You just, I mean, I have no idea what you think about this show. Um, so I was excited to watch the show because I did love the movie. And I just recently finished the second episode. And I don't want to make everything about like, uh, like I don't want to be a horny teenage boy. But I appreciate the makeout scenes in the queer hookups because I can tell there are queer people around in the scene, directing the scene, yes. writing the scenes. And you don't get that often right, on television. So I'm definitely like, yeah, I want to see those bitches kiss, which Ooh, makes me feel like a just creep. Wait. <laughs> just wait, just wait. I love it. So many more kisses to come. So I recapped the pilot episode, the day it came out, hadn't seen anything else uh-huh. since then. I'm up through episode six now, and it's kind of hard to keep everything straight and talk about things now knowing what I know. But mm-hmm. I have to say, I was so wrong about so many things, like in terms of predictions and where I thought things like were going up with who or. Like yeah. what was going to happen to the team, who was going to get kicked off the team. And- yeah, just what was going to happen in terms of like romantic pairings. And I like, I read way too deep into a small scene, a very short scene in the beginning where Abby is like on the train to go to tryouts and yeah. somebody, the Pride and Prejudice thing. And yeah. I'm like, this is book? foreshadowing. Yeah. I don't think it is. I've never read Pride and Prejudice or seen any uh, recreation of it. I think it's more like there's more to this girl than meets the eye. She reads. Yeah. And it and she doesn't have the typical taste on what a structured romance is. I thought it was foreshadowing in the sense that this character has a secret and she fits into the like perfect narrative of what a girl is supposed to do at her age. But obviously what she finds interesting about Pride and Prejudice isn't the romance. It's like, you know, 
That's a great take on it. That's a yeah. great take because I was so worried that I was going to have to read Pride and Prejudice to understand. You don't got to read Pride and Prejudice. You watch Fire Island. I did. <laughs> I did. But then I don't know how that maps on Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> okay, fair. Somebody told me afterwards, they're like, oh, yeah, it's uh, Pride and Prejudice. I'm like, well, <laughs> you were like, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just thought it was emo gay men at the yeah, beach. Okay, All tough, right. But fair. Fair. <laughs> All right. Well, first, you mentioned that you love the movie. What was your relationship to the film? When did you see it? What did you love about it? I saw it when it like well, one of the days I stayed home sick from school and it's like playing on Lifetime. Yeah. Um, and I just loved at the time I wasn't like, I like this cause it's gay. <laughs> but that's what I liked about it. Right. And, uh, seeing, I've always been really attracted to the like queering of an idea and this idea that like baseball is a man sport, this like very binary idea that baseball exists in these worlds. And the fact that they were queering it and doing something that they weren't supposed to do had my little like queer Aquarian heart, like Aquarian <laughs> alien heart lit a flame. I was like, people are not following the rules. I love, <laughs> I love that. So any, it was in a long line of like many movies that were people like not following the rules. I was like, <laughs> that I loved. Well, a funny thing about it is that the movie is so universally loved, but looking at the reviews for this show on Amazon Prime, people, the straights, are shocked that there are queer themes in this. And it's they're like, like, the movie was gay as fuck. Yeah. Nobody, anybody who was queer saw that, and that's how we all read it. And then everybody else is like, what are they doing to this? I was like, no, 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 no. This was it the whole time. It's just now we can say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I find that really confusing. Yeah. Tell me about your relationship to Abby Jacobson, because career-wise, you've had some interactions. Oh, uh, yeah. Abby and I uh, did like a pilot presentation I guess now a year or so, a little bit over a year or so ago, it didn't end up going like, you know, things in Hollywood happen where you do stuff and then nobody ever gets to see it. But yeah, we worked on a project together and she was very, she's very cool. Yeah. Well, and actually after she went straight from shooting my project straight to Pittsburgh to shoot that show. Yeah, I thought that it was around the same time. And that's why yeah. I was so confident that they were going to pick up your project, too. I'm like, Samantha <laughs> Ernie. No, we, were we were with different um, people. Yeah, yeah. Companies. Right, right. I just thought she had, like, some some heat and some power yes, going with her yeah. that she could Last get stuff out. made. Yeah. I mean, I'm impressed with just, like, the production value of this show and how much of a budget they must have gotten for it. I was thinking the same thing. Like, they had yeah. to have taken over the entire town while they were filming. Yeah, for sure. What were your thoughts on just the pilot before we get into episode two? To tell you the truth, I wasn't sure what... I watched the pilot like, okay, what is this show going to be? But yeah. I always feel like the pi pilots are always like that. Pilots are like, be spicy enough to pop, but bland enough so that people like higher ups, which are all like the same white pieces of paper, pick up the show 
and right. then make your show. So yeah. I watched the pilot like, okay, there's like a couple of ingredients that I like, some things that I'm not totally sure, like what's going on here. And then by the second episode, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I see the show. I see the yeah. show. It's giving what it's supposed to give. It's giving me gay. It's giving me time period. It's giving me diverse bodies. So I appreciated that. And I did kind of like the subtleness of like the horniness of, I sound like such a teenage boy, but the subtleness of everyone being like horny and gay and the pilot is very nicely subliminally done. Yeah. It's like going to camp, you know, like you take people out of their homes and you put them together in a new environment. And of course, everyone's going to be horny. Yeah. That's yeah. Those are the rules. Yeah. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. I'm glad that somebody's following them. (laughs) So the pilot ends with the peaches in the locker room for the first time and they're all excited and celebrating. And then that's kind of contrasted with Max still determined. She's not shaken. Yeah, she's throwing a perfect pitch at the back of the salon. So you know that she's not taking that rejection and we're going to see a lot more Max in this series. So prediction who I think Max is going to get jiggy with. Do you? Do you want to give that? I don't think that they're going to keep that, the girlfriend, the girlfriend that calls him a stud. Yeah. I don't think they're going to keep the girlfriend. I think they're going to end up with Abby. Because if you think about, if you, not me doing scissoring, you audience can't see, but I just did scissoring with my fingers. If you think about the connection that the pitcher and the catcher need to have. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be like a tink, tink, tink between them and they start speaking each other's language. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is just me saying it because every now and then I'll date a white woman and now I'm projecting. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, that's what I foresee happening. So that's what I was thinking when I thought that this Pride and Prejudice thing, even though I don't know what I'm talking about, was going to play out. That I was uh, like, oh, they're going to kind of be adversarial and like be wrong? annoyed with each other and have problems. I don't know. I'm only up through episode six. And then also this is just episode two recap. So I'm not going to spoil if you're right or wrong okay. or, or any of that. Yeah. So we open this episode with Max practicing pitching and she's striking out Josh Gibson in her mind. Josh Gibson being um, a player from the Negro Leagues who was called the Black Babe Ruth. Yes. And then we go from that fantasy to see she's in the stands watching this team called the Screws. Yeah. Screwing up. Yeah. And some bloated pitcher guy that used to pitch for the Braves and now is working in this screw factory. And Max thinks that she can play better. And she knows. And she's like, your pitch has a tail, right? It doesn't she go up and say that to the Yeah, yeah, that that he puffs out his cheeks before he throws his curveball or whatever and Uh, And he doesn't like that. He calls her a bitch. Like there's so much happening in this one scene because then we also have Gary, poor Gary, who is just like in love with Max. And it's interesting, too, because he calls her Maxine. Then she goes and introduces herself as Max to the coach. The the white guy calls her a bitch. And it's just like interesting, like who calls Max what? It's like the mom calls her Maxine. But the people close call her Max. She wants to be called Max. 
baseball side versus people who still want to treat her as this like woman, you know, it's like what people are projecting onto her. Yeah. And then, and then it's obviously like no mistake of having that name. That's both Max and Maxine. I also speaking of reading too much into things, if we can just double back, I kind of read into like a Mulan moment with the man's shirt hanging on the wooden wardrobe when she mm. has all those pictures of the Negro League. And yeah. then her partner being like, you're such a stud. I was like, right, right. And her mom gives her the idea, plants it in her head of that when she got her loan to start the salon that she thinks they probably just thought Tony, the mom's name was yeah. a man. A name. Yeah. And I love that. Like all of the connectedness, like when they're thinking of the names to, probably have the mom named Tony just for that specific yeah. plot device. Yes. It's... And I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with what's going on there. Yes. So Max is told that she has to get a job, any job at the factory if she wants to be considered. Yes. But it doesn't look like the coach really cares. Like if she gets the job, she's like any seem job. Like... Yeah. And then she goes and she tries to fill out application. Those white women are white women. They have their pink pussy hats on. They're at the march in Washington. They do not care about the intersections. They're just white women, white women ing. Now, if you pause on that scene, because Amazon has this feature when you pause, it tells you who is on the screen. The names of those characters are. Karen and Karen, one spelled with a C, one spelled with a K. Oh, wait. I love that energy. <laughs> they don't say it. The names aren't said in the episode. I know, but I love that specificity. Yeah, that's their credits on IMDb. Karen but... and Karen. Honestly, it's universal. Yeah. Karen with a C, Karen with a K. You know, it's really over the top, just what assholes they're being and... Max has done her homework. She knows that Roosevelt had an executive order out that you can't discriminate if it's a war-related job, throws that at them, and they're still being uh, the worst people possible. You know that with everything, like, that's not that's not going to stop Max. Like, this whole thing is, like, Max does not let obstacles get her down. She will find her way to get around them. She don't care. She's yeah. like, whatever. Next, next try, next thing. Right. She doesn't let herself get rattled by these women teaming up on her and trying to embarrass her in front of everyone. And like, I just love how unshakable she is there. So then we're at the salon and she's trying for her mom to to be good, to work the books and stuff. And now something that a, a couple things I didn't pick up on that will be more important later is like this scene. I didn't realize how much it sets up because that's where Tony is talking about the revival coming to town and at the salon. That is when Mrs. Turner comes in with her daughter. Tony greets her, has Max um, look after her and do her nails. And there's this look exchanged. And I somehow missed that the first time. I think I was too distracted by how funny the customers are uh, and their banter. And I just they missed giving, like... They are giving good beauty salon. Yes. Both in the pilot and continued here. I'm like, I love these scenes. That's generational. I, you can, that's generational. That yeah. salon experience. I mean, yeah. like we all have it as black people. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I saw it. The man, I was like, she's going to do her nails, please. <laughs> I was like, she's going to do her nails knowing where the fingers have been. Like, well, duh. Yes. Um, and then also the customers, they mention Tony's sister, Birdie, and Tony shuts them down right away. And there's a problem with Birdie there that we do get into in later episodes. But I definitely also missed that the first time and just thought it was all just like chit chat conversation, what's happening. And I thought it was just like kind of setting the environment for Clance to come in with Alina Hornhair. <laughs> And her dream of getting crab for this crab boil. That was really important to me because I understand the importance of a crab boil. Yes. <laughs> I really understand it. And I it also made me really hungry for that. Yeah. So I will say I have some notes on the way it looked on the plate. I was like, that ain't right. And it wouldn't be on <laughs> no fucking plate. <laughs> Right, right. It wouldn't be on the fucking plate if it was real. For real, yeah. for real. Yeah. Out on the tables, right? Yes. Yes. That's how I've always had it. Newspaper. Newspaper. Like, big old pot, pour. And then, and to say like you put your foot in it, it's like, no, it needs to look seasoned. It look, need to look like the dirty style on the fucking cat. And I'm a swamp bitch though. So maybe that's like what I'm projecting onto that royal <laughs> experience. But I was like, okay, I'm happy that she got it right, but that ain't right. That don't look right. Well, I think that answers one of my questions I have for you for later, but but we'll get get back to that. It is fun because Abby Jacobson wrote this episode. And (laughs) when when the crab thing is presented and then Max and Clance are like on this mission, I'm like, oh, two best friends on a mission for something like getting crab. Oh, wow. That is so fucked up. That is so fucked up. (laughs) That is so fucked up. I was here for it, though. That makes sense, though. That's why the two of them had all that physical humor. uh, Yeah. uh, And then spilling those huge plastic prawns, by the way. Huge. I'm like, they don't look like that off the coast. (laughs) Well, that's when I saw the prawns, I was like, wait, where do I get prawns that size? I'm I'm jealous of the size of these prawns. Okay, Yeah. Also, it's now time to clear everybody in that you and I both cook. So this is why we're going into depth (laughs) about the props of the food. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, you know, like. Uh, Clance seems really, really stressed out. But as you now know, I, I take hosting very seriously. Yes. And if people are coming over to my place to eat, I want to make sure that I'm giving the experience that I set out to give. Yes, and also, like you're getting food the day of. Yeah. The day of. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, maybe that's when the seafood comes into town from that seafood guy that does not do his job well enough if he's just yeah, giving it away. What what people are taking, you just you just take money and you don't see what they take. Like I, <laughs> I was confused by that. <laughs> but the the whole adventure, the the thing I liked about it is it's kind of like the crab for Clance is almost like a very shortened version of Max's struggle to be a pitcher. It's like you know, this is what's important for Clance in this moment. And this is where Max, who is usually so in Max land in 
me, 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 I got a pitch. Like, this is my gift. I'm so focused on this that sometimes she can ignore like what's going on with the people around her. Yeah. But that she, she sees Max, it's like syndrome for sure. And it's like yes. a whole community that has like important people. But that's yeah. I thought it was so funny when her friend is like at the end of the episode, when she's like, Oh, she said my food was good. I hit a home run. Like saying it that way to her so she gets it. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's cute. But when she says that, Max's reaction is kind of not that thrilled. And she kind of gives a look like, yeah, you hit a home run. And what I got from that whole thing is two things. Clance has just said that Tony, Max's mom, loves the food. And that means it must be good to get her stamp of approval and that she hit a home run. Now, Max is watching and she helps Clance get the thing. She helps her get the crab. She she yeah. pulls through. Clance gets what she needs for this thing while Max is still like a million obstacles away yeah, from what she I wants. Say like, oh, I got what I I wanted, what I needed. And also it's so hard for her to get Tony's approval. And I thought that there was an interesting scene when they first get into the truck and they're about to go get the crab and she's telling her about the job at the screw factory. Clance is like, how are you going to tell Tony that you got another job? And she says, I don't care what she thinks. I'm just going to tell her when that's all Max cares about. Like Max cares about pitching yeah. and what her mom thinks. Right. Like she wants her mom to want her dreams to come true. Yeah. To be proud of her her and to believe in the fact that she can play pro baseball. Yeah. And to see her, to like really see her for who she is and not who Tony wants her to be. Right. And to see like for a second, you see that Max is like, uh, you're getting this thing. While meanwhile, Clance is kind of like, you don't know Max, what it's like. Like you've been protected, you've been taken care of. You don't know how important this crab is to me and how important this party is to me. It it just I felt like really got into their friendship dynamic. Yeah. This episode in in a way I wanted because we we got kind of like the sweet part of it in the pilot and the, you know, her drawing Max on the train and everything. You're like, what a sweet, close friendship. And now it's like, okay, like they're there for each other, but there's also some stuff beneath the the surface that they have going on. I do love though, that when Clance gives up on the crab after going to the white grocery store and was like, well, that's it. I guess I'm, I'm not going to get the, yeah. the crab and Max probably sees like, no, 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 I'm not giving up on pitching. You're not giving up. Yeah, we're not going to give up on the things that we need, like what we want in life. There's no reason why we can't have it. I did appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. And then I, also making Abby like, hey, fucking, you know, show up. I appreciate that. Well, what I liked about how they did that scene, because I was a little bit worried when I saw Abby and Shirley are going into the same grocery store and I'm like, oh, no, um, I should say Carson. It's very hard for me not to say Abby when talking yeah. about Carson. Carson. <laughs> did you think it was going to be a bit white savory? That's what I was worried about. I was like, yeah. oh, no, they're not going to send Carson in there to then. Be like, hey, this is not OK. And now the rest <laughs> of the show is about us showing up. 
Right, right, right. <laughs> and then like Max would be like, I don't need your help. Like yeah. that whole thing. I was like, please don't let it go there. And it was like, no, no. Max was like, oh, With I can yourself. use this situation as an opening exactly. and speak up for myself again. And and maybe have like yeah, the it's like, oh, uh, yeah. And it's like, exactly, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's why you need Max on the fucking team. Yep. I mean, who knew that you could get so much done in a storyline that is supposedly about crab? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The layers. Just to wrap up that whole story, they're at the at the crab boil and Max sees Gary there. Max is looking beautiful, is on her Gary, high femme. Yellow dress. Yes. Yeah, the costuming in that moment, that that yellow dress, I was like, beautiful. Yeah, and and Clance in the red dress, also stunning yeah. with the dress. Everybody that in that everybody in that crab broil with porcelain, <laughs> which we can't unpack. Um, in the backyard was beautiful. All the yes. colors, all of that. I was like scrumptious. So. She goes to dance with Gary. Gary's thinking that it's his lucky day. But of course, Max is just interested in getting submitted for yeah, the job. She needs. Yeah. Period. And if she has to give a kiss on the cheek to get that Period. done, she, she has to break Gary's heart. Yeah. And it's the least that he can do after that fuck shit saying that's my girl to everybody on his team. Yeah. <laughs> Which she calls him out for. And then, yeah, Gary agrees. She gets what she wants. And then I I wasn't expecting the episode to end this way, that she goes back to the salon. And I'm thinking, like, is she going to go there to give herself a haircut or something to look more like a guy? Like, what is she going to do? That's what I thought, too. I was like, Mulan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this woman from before who's in town for the revival. Praise be comes in and they start having sexy sexy makeouts in the salon i'm like how they make bold. out and they eat out and they get out yeah and, <laughs> and, and they refer they do a little nail talk it's yeah. very sexy yeah the whole thing I, I well i mean we all know how i feel i was for it <laughs> i really appreciate the queer lens and the queer hookups i i like that yeah, because I knew it was going to happen for Max just based on like how okay Max was with the Greta Carson kiss in the pilot. Yeah, like the way she looked through the kiss, I was like, okay, everybody gay. <laughs> everybody gay. I'm ready for it. I guess the whole thing with the show is I didn't realize everybody would get gay so fast. I'm like, oh, we got gay immediately. Yeah, usually, usually we don't get that. Usually yeah. it, what is the thing about the show is that somebody's becoming gay or yeah. is gay. Like <laughs> it's not usually like there's a whole story and then gay people exist in that. Story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> let's just start at the good part. The yeah. <laughs> let's start at the kiss. Right, Reggie? Sorry for those. I mean, I know I can see I'm holding a precious, precious dog, a very precious puppy, a very good girl, a precious package. Moving on to the other storylines to our Rockford peaches. They're in the locker room and they're talking about the uniforms. And this is our first time seeing the peaches in on all their glory in the locker room. They're 
skirted glory. Yes. Yeah. Just not loving the uniforms, reacting to the skirts. A very similar thing they're in like, the movie. When they're all like, no, there's no way we have to play in this. And then yeah. they come in and they're like, you're playing in skirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, maybe it's just for the pictures. Yeah. Uh, and then the head of operations, Alan Baker, who's played by Don Finelli, who is a UCB guy. Um, Period. Yeah. Ask Cat. He did a lot of like weekend shows and things like okay, that. But, yeah. Listen, I had really fun times at UCB, but I have to be real. If it was like a straight man, for real, for real, they all looked the same and all the same. Shirt. <laughs> they all wore the same shirts from American Apparel and the American Apparel zip up and like navy gray and black. They all look the same. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I definitely laughed though, like funny people, but yeah, all of them look the same over there. <laughs> I think I think he does do a good job. He's playing the son of Mr. Baker, that of oh, the yeah, candy bar. He just nervously repeats everything that's said around him. Yeah, but also is trying to be like his own man. He's like, just call me Alan. Yeah. I'm making my own way. But then yeah. like as soon as daddy's around. Just... Yeah, he's making his own way now. And then he just echoes everybody around him. He is yeah. funny. And then he introduces the coach for the team. And I wasn't, uh, I didn't even think about it because, you know, Tom Hanks in the movie is like such a big thing as Jimmy Dugan. Yeah. And I was so focused on the women that I didn't even think like, I wonder who the coach is going to be. It didn't even cross my mind. No, you so, don't care about the male star power in this show, but, it, but no. when it comes, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I had a big smile. I'm like, oh my gosh, Nick what? Offerman. Great. For me, I was like, okay, fresh face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and his character is Casey Porter, a.k.a. Dove Porter, who apparently killed a dove while pitching. <laughs> it's a very different vibe than Jimmy Dugan, who like stumbles in drunk and has like no interest. Yeah. But it's kind of a cut. You're trying to pick up like, what is this guy's deal like does he want to be there because he seemed like a little bit patronizing a little bit like he was almost playing a part when he first walks into the locker room he gives a little bit of a rah-rah let me see the the fire in your eyes and pitching is about oh, this yeah, girl and let me tell like, you yeah like rah-rah fire eyes yeah and uh, trying to motivate them in a way or something but it all kind of feels like like fluff and they're just still reeling of like, how are we supposed to play tomorrow? We haven't even had a practice. Yeah. So. They're being treated like they're like socialites. Right. And, and need to be groomed for society versus like pro baseball players. Right. And I wonder if that actually happened with the league, like how, yeah, how much so. practice did they get before? Well, I know the charm school stuff happened, but I don't know, like, did they really not get that much time to work together as a team? Was it, more like come on let's just like we we cast we cast the players we got the women we needed now let's get out there and start uh having ball games but they're they're all concerned about you know, it, it takes time for a team to form and to, to play together these women all just met um the scene where Carson goes up to Dove and asks for the baseball to get signed and then he takes it and does a magic <laughs> quotes scare quotes magic trick with it to me that was more of just like the patron like you wouldn't do that to a guy if a guy yeah. was like you know what now that you say that yeah it was totally more to like kind of foreshadow 
the shit talking he does at the end of the episode of being like, oh, this is way easier when you don't take it seriously. And when yeah. he says that, I was like, oh, that's why you did that weird as fuck magic trick in the middle right? of the conversation with Carson. When Carson's like thinking that she's going to have this huge moment of like really talking to a pro ball player and having like a heart to heart, you know, and he's like, oh, little girly, you want to see something cool? Quarterback yeah. in your ear. Yeah, I think that moment's well played. So then they they start practicing. Dove and Lupe immediately have a moment, pitcher to pitcher. Uh, she's happy to get his attention and his acceptance right away. Uh, and it's interesting and fun to see um, Roberta Calindra's perform this character because Lupe, the rest of the time, she's just like so hard and kind of guarded and stuff. But then as soon as uh, Dove Daddy is like, let me show you something. She's like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, just <laughs> completely melts. <me>. Yeah. <laughs> and then they see uh, in the stands, we have the the Bakers, senior and junior, and then this woman that Greta recognizes. They're reading uh, an article that says, can womanhood survive the Rockford yeah. peaches? And the way they describe them in the newspaper, like, Thick, burly arms, like yeah. all monsters. <laughs> right. Right. When you have people like Darcy Carden on the team and yeah. the other high femmes. Well, uh, that character's name is Vivian Hughes, and she's based on a real life person, Helena Rubinstein, who is a Polish Jewish immigrant and a cosmetics mogul uh, whose rival was Elizabeth Arden. That's a little bit of a. Okay. Okay. Backstory. Okay. You know. <laughs> Okay. And then she actually, they would do like these charm classes regularly. So this is like another scene, another moment that echoes the movie, but because it was an actual thing that they had to go through and they had to do. Jess, do you know comedian Molly Carney? Yes, I do. I know. So you spotted them? (laughs) Yes. I was actually texting them as I was watching, watching the episodes. And yes. Like, oh, I, I, I peek you. I peeped you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they're they're. I mean, obviously, my favorite part of of what's on the show. <laughs> I so I met them like met Holmes, which is one of their good friends through my friend. Yes. Taylor. And I remember seeing when I was hanging out and talking to Taylor, seeing Molly getting the phone call that they booked League of Their Own. Nice. And it's one of the sweetest things I've ever seen. And then Aww. when I was in LA, I met them in person and they were such like a positive, funny life. Very funny scenes in the in the charm school. And when they went for like the final at the end, they all have to kind of like do their curtsy or, or whatever. <laughs> and then they're like, uh, thank you. That will be all. Yeah. And they get escorted out. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that it? Yeah. Are, are they off the team? And they are. Yeah. We never see them again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah. not fair. So then when that happens, then the character just comes up and is about to be dismissed for not having any makeup on. And then they save, her. They, save they save Jess, but no, no love for. Sorry, guys. Miss Molly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're out. Yeah. 
Well, Jess is a very good player. I mean, the whole episode, any time that they have that character running, uh, she makes a play that's like she fields the ball with her bare hands and like whips it at first base. I'm like, that form, this person is an athlete. This person is elite. They are so good. I'd be forgetting that I actually do love team sports. And the problem when I played them is that it wasn't just like a bunch of gay people playing. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> is there a is there like a queer softball league I can get involved with? Like what's going on? Like what are we doing community? There like, is. There is. Well, my friends on this amazing team called Lady Heat. <laughs> and I saw them play and I was definitely like next level dad. I was thinking today that this is definitely going to get registrations up for like rec softball Softball. leagues. Yeah, I hope so. It's a lot of fun. I didn't even play, but just watching them play, I was like, wow, that is a ton. looks like a ton of fun. When I lived in Atlanta, I played in a co-ed rec softball league and Mm -hmm. it kind of sucks because the guys hit the ball with like all of their strength and you're just playing rec softball. Like I remember the pitcher on my team, the bones in her hand got shattered from catching a line drive off this guy. Whoa. And so I, I would be in the outfield and I'm like, I don't even like playing outfield, but like these guys are so aggressive that, that I don't want to play yeah, with them. What, what is all that for? Right. Who what is, is all for? that for? This is a rec league. What is all that for? Yeah. But then, but then I subbed in for a friend's lesbian league and I'm like, oh no, these bitches aren't intense. I found a new identity. Wait, they were (laughs) even more intense? I, I was playing catcher and I had one of those like league of their own, like Dottie at the end of the movie tag, somebody like dove in and I tagged them out and almost knocked them unconscious. Like they went headfirst into my glove and I'm like, why? This is Rex's. Okay, You're like what are we doing? Like doing a lot. When people start to be self-sacrificial, that's when I start to get really annoying. It's like, okay, yeah, of course we want a point, but like now here we all are at the ER, Deb, because you threw your body to get to third base, and it's like not that deep ever. Yeah, but anyway, back to back to the actual. Yeah, back on track. Back on players. Track. Okay. The charm school scene. Oh, another thing of uh, the charm school scene that I, I liked was when um, she is showing the chart that's like there are five like shapes of the face and only one of them is naturally attractive. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I, what? I truly blocked that out. I have no memory of that. I must have seen that and been like refused to download. I like that was probably like a real thing. That's it. Absolutely was. It absolutely yeah. was. Yes. And they they're the same beauty standards are still around today. But now it's not like this face is the good face. Right. This face is the bad face. It's like what face type are you? Right. <sighs> Lots to unpack. Don't want to, but it's maybe. like a lot of these horrible things that are said on the show are things that were definitely said back then. Like it's not oh, just yeah. people making it worse. It's like, Oh no, people were that rude to each other. Um, yeah. So we're coming off the pilot episode where, you know, Greta kisses Carson, of course, and then leaves with that guy. And we kind of really don't know 
where does Greta stand? You're thinking maybe, okay, Carson's about to have her gay awakening, but like what, what is going on with Greta? And from the beginning of the episode, the two are kind of like needling at each other. Like they're a little bit adversarial. They're a little bit poking at each other, trying to maybe get in each other's heads, figure out what the other is trying to like. Yeah. I think it's an interesting, like, well, who's going to like, leave the boys first type competition that they have. Well, not competition, but like a sub conversation that they have. But then to go off that like last move, I'm kind of wondering why she has a problem and they have to do something to get all of us gays all up in arms. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I feel like, (laughs) like, like Greta, Greta is trying to, I think just get a reaction out of Carson and Carson Mm -hmm. is just like, her head is still spinning from that kiss that she doesn't know what to do. But Greta's seriously under her skin. So Carson gets a call from her sister, Meg. And here we learn a little bit more about Carson. So everybody's mad that she left to go play baseball. We learn that she's been married for seven years to Charlie and they don't have kids, which I kind of assume she didn't have kids. But the sister says, like, it's already bad enough. We have to explain why you don't have kids. And she's like, well, not everyone wants kids yeah, I'm like all this on a phone call bitch you're doing the most right I'm glad they didn't bring her sister along for the journey I'm yeah. glad they left that in the movie yeah keep, keep the sisters there don't bring don't bring this yeah, sister she sounds that, like that grumpy bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then Greta gives Carson a book a tree grows in Brooklyn and ah, I was like what book was that I didn't catch it okay Wow, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. I didn't know that book. I'm not like a book lesbian. Oh, I am. Should we go over why it's a lesbian? So I Wikipedia'd and I saw that it doesn't, it kind of um, doesn't follow traditional gender roles in the book, but that the book is really about determination and rising above difficult circumstances. But tell me your take on well, yeah, it's, why Greta gives the book. It's, again, like queering a narrative, right? Like yeah. the idea that you have to be, especially as a woman, a certain idea of a type of person. Yeah. Then, yeah, another example of where women don't follow the rules and they like queer the narrative. Yeah. And I feel like it's very much um, like a white lesbian book rite of passage. Like every oh. white queer that I've ever been involved with, like that's a book queer. It's like, I treat good and Brooklyn. <laughs> so they don't sing like that, but... <laughs> That and what is it? Stone Butch Blues. Like those are, those are the white queer books. Right. The white queer book canon, if you will. Well, (laughs) I'll read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn before I read Pride and Prejudice. I'll tell you that. Okay. Tough but fair. And you know what? You read A Tree uh, Grows in Brooklyn. You read the Wikipedia, babe. Right. You read it. You read it. You know, you know what's important about it. So everybody on the team is a little bit nervous about the the press that they're getting. How long is this going to last? Are they yeah, going to be sent they home? They think they're going to get fired in like seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and Carson asked Greta, like, are you trying to get in my head? You know, they're going back and forth. And then we're at night and Shirley and Carson are in the room. And Shirley's like, I can't go home. And Carson says that she feels like she belongs there and she's never felt like she's belonged somewhere before. So yeah, mm, yeah you do belong with Carson. The and her <laughs> Are you into it? 
Yeah, I kind of like that Carson is always kind of looks like a preschool teacher. <laughs> but, but it's I feel like it's a comment on like the stuntedness. Yeah. Like she looks the most like um I don't know, I could be projecting way more meaning on the costuming, but she looks the most like I followed the rules. Yeah. I showed up. I was the woman I'm supposed to be. Women that have this job in the house dressed like this and this is what I wear. Whereas the other woman, you can kind of see like a reflection of their personal style a little bit, even when they're being super femmy. But she's the only one that's like, girl, you look like like somebody put that on you and said this good good housewives wear. Oh, I like that. I'm excited to see how her style evolves, including to the fact that like her bra was hanging out when she goes to get the train. It's like, those aren't her clothes. Like she's not concerned. Like this is like, you know, she wants to get to the thing that she wants to do. I love this insight. Okay. I'm on board with that. Okay. So we get to the first game and right off the bat, they announced that Lupe is from Spain to make her less Latin, more European, more palatable to the audience. And that's a lot to unpack. It's annoying. (laughs) Right. Right. All of that, like Mark, like the whole like social media of it all of them sitting on the bench and like picking apart the team and talking about how they're marketing it. I was like, well, this conversation hasn't changed much, has it? Right, right. I I mean, <laughs> even that whole thing hasn't changed with like, you know, I, my wife's from Peru and I know like in Peru, it's very much like if you're a little bit European, like they hold on to that. And even like within just like the Peruvian community, thinking yeah. that there's it's much better to be seen as of Spanish descent. And yeah, yeah it's it's sad how not far we've come. So we have Lupe dealing with that. So that's has to be in her head. She's also dealing with whatever daddy issues and acceptance issues that she has uh with got a lot Dove. of mommy daddy issues on the team, guys. So it should be no one's surprise. <laughs> I love to when people are going up to bat, they're trying to make them sound like they're not just athletes. Shirley loves to bake bread and play the flute. Oh my God. Can you imagine Making the Playboy bunnies before there were Playboy bunnies? She's a girl next door. Yeah. Right. Don't cook your meals. If they did that with men playing baseball, I would love it. Yeah. I'd be a huge fan of the sport. <laughs> it is a little it is a little bit like the Olympics though, where they like give you fun facts about people. So Yeah. But I don't think that was the goal here. Oh, and then we get to another uh, infuriating scene where Greta is getting heckled by this sexist guy in the stand and it really gets to her head and she is striking out while that guy keeps saying, like, come sit on my lap. Yeah, I mean, ugh, yuck. Right. Just yeah. and again, it's like, Being you know, th- fucking you, creep. You think it's a caricature and like, oh, they wrote it. The, and it's like, no, that stuff. Was Most it definitely happened. Yeah. Wasn't it a huge issue for them? Yeah. And it's like, we, it probably would be an issue to this day. Yeah. Because there were no consequences yeah. for guys like that. Yeah. And, and they weren't allowed to be spoken to. And even so then when Joe goes up, 
so Greta, you know, just smiles and tries to grin and bear it strikes out. And then when they start commenting on Joe's weight, that's when Greta's like, okay, you can come for me, but not for my friend. And, you know, calls him a piece of shit or whatever. Being too much. Right. So Dove has to go and handle it. And at the end, because this is like their first test, not necessarily of baseball, but whether they can be like the right. It's their cotillion. It's their like yes. coming out to society. Yes. Are they yeah. are they ready for the debutante ball? Yeah. Um, all of that. And Greta, you know, because she's like this like beautiful high femme, she goes in thinking like, well, this part I can do. I can play baseball yeah, and I can like, look I great while doing that. And she's yeah. the only one who gets feedback and yeah. being told that she's too much and needs to tone it down and yeah. be sweeter. And yeah. you see like the pain on her face um, when that happens. Yeah. Greta, 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 girl. The femme struggle. They're fan, but they're still dominant. <laughs> <laughs> the Dom Fim struggle, Greta. We get it. Oh man, I love Greta's femme top energy so much. Mm-hmm. Greta at Ginger's would be an absolute menace. Oh god. <laughs> I feel like she would be banned from Cubby Hole at this point. Yeah, too many breakups, too many breakups and too many breakup fights out in the front where people are screaming and making the neighbors upset. Or yeah. wait, what car has the neighbors? Hen- Henrietta Hudson's or Cubby Hole? It's Ginger's, yeah. Yes, out back, yeah. out back in the, yeah. That's why the back closes. So Greta is upset over this and then Carson kind of sticks around and overhears Dove calling the game garbage uh, and that it would only be more exciting if they shorten the skirts and yeah. says it goes down easier. If you know, it's a joke, no, like you joke, mentioned yeah. before and so Carson cool. hears that. And it's just like dreams crushed because when everybody's talking about like, this isn't going to last, whatever Carson is still like, no, 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 no. It's going to come on. We're professional ball players. Yeah. And now she's like, oh, I'm I'm naive. I'm wrong. farm girl, even though she's not a farm girl. But I love uh, the ongoing joke that yeah, she's like, I've never been on a farm in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> and there's farmer's face, farmer's hands, farmer's yeah. hair. She's giving big farmer energy, whether she likes it or not. I don't think yeah. she likes it. So but what is she doing from where she comes from? She, it looked like a farming town. Um I'm like, Farmertown's got that big old busy train station. Okay, fine. (laughs) And then she goes into the locker room and Greta is crying there. She's also feeling defeated and they have a talk and she mentions how it's not real. And then Greta kind of goes into her kind of boss mommy mode and says, They get to tell us how long this lasts and what we wear and what our eyebrows look like. And they can get to tell us whether or not we can talk back to those fucking assholes in the stands. But they don't get to tell us whether or not this is real. That's us. Period. Period. And when she says that's us, she's like wiping the tear that's forming on Carson's eye. And I'm like, oh, my God. How is Carson not just. Like, how can she even get up from that seat? Like, the moisture must be holding her down. I I don't know. <laughs> it's, tough. it's tough. It's tough not to, like, fall in love with 
everyone, just in yes. one or another. Yes. And then, you know, the episode, as we mentioned before, ends with um, Max's sexy time. So that wraps up the recap part. I have some questions for you. Well, one question that I'm not asking everybody, but I do want to ask you because I know you're a bit of an expert here, but I also don't know if you've seen enough to know what is Max's sun sign? Oh, I put this question out on Instagram and nobody has said what I thought, but I haven't researched it enough. I feel it's like like a Virgo. Like I feel in my heart it's a Virgo. Okay. Nobody has think? said that. Um, the responses I've gotten on Instagram are Taurus, Sagittarius, Leo, Aries. I thought okay. Scorpio. Oh. I think okay. Taurus. Taurus, I could Taurus. see. Yeah. Taurus, I could see. Virgo, I, the reason why I say Virgo is because she knows exactly why people are bad. Yeah. Um, Sagittarius, no, because she's not by any means like the life of the party. And Aries, no, because she's not like, she's not, she has righteous anger. It's not yeah. just like she gets quickly uh, hot-headed. If I guessed a whole chart, I would guess a water sign moon. Okay. Just because when her feelings are hurt, when she's frustrated is when she's like with the dagger. Yeah. But she's not like that about everything. Yeah. But I, I think she's like a Virgo or a Taurus. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. I think I, I would buy Taurus, but okay. Good, good, good. I'm going to research that more. I need to make the case. I need to let Instagram know. I mean, shallowly, I feel like a Scorpio would be like er, just just a bit meaner and emotionally, like pettily emotionally provoked to be mean, not like righteously just. Right. Like Scorpio would have annihilated those Karens. <laughs> annihilated those Karens, like made them fucking cry. But a Virgo is going to be like, you're wrong because of this law. Like, I know you're wrong and here's why. Right, right. And then like, you're, she knows when it's like worth the trouble and she's like, these right. bitches aren't worth. But the fact that she, but the fact that she kind of takes the challenge with every single person in a way that's a bit hardheaded is very Taurus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So our questions that I ask everybody, there's no crying in baseball, but there isn't watching this show. What was the most emotional scene for you? I think I got a little emotional when the game was getting fucked up. Like when those men were ruining the game and just seeing oh. how much was getting in, in her head. Yeah. Made a little like, uh, made my, I didn't cry, but definitely made, gave me like butterflies in my stomach. Like, come on, don't let him completely fuck up your game. Yeah. I cried when Clance gave up on the crab and her hair has just not gone the way she wants it to. And she's yeah. crying in the truck to Max. Yeah. And she says um, about how she doesn't want to embarrass Guy and how important, and you really get to like why the crab is so important to her. Yeah. Um, and then she talks about how, <laughs> this is what did it for me, how she drew crabs all over the invite 
And she's like, and now everybody's going to oh, think you know I was. What? I did forget about that. I did get, I was like, oh girl, that's fucked up. Yeah. I, yeah. I do remember that being like, oh damn. Yeah. I also, I did cry when she got the crap and the excitement. Yeah. I did get misty eyed of like, I got the crabs, girl. Yeah. I was like, yes, I'm misty eyed. Success. Um, I also when like Greta is crying in the locker room and says that whenever she really wants something, it never really goes right. And that, that got me, that got me in the feels. Yeah. Darcy is just such a great actress and yeah, she is. Yeah. She really is. That's hard. So then who was the MVP of this episode for you? Max, duh, you got the crabs. <laughs> You got the crabs. Um, I mean, the episode is so gre- segregated still because they haven't really. Right, right. So it's hard to say. But the I mean, story always, lines. for me, it's always going to be black people. But like Max, yeah. <laughs> Max and the crabs, 1000%. And then I would say both those women for saving their teammate and the one. But I mean, again, white women do better. You got to save them all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But I did appreciate them coming in and saving that poor girl with the blonde ponytail girl. Jess, uh, you know, I do have to say, I think it's hard because I'm watching these like out of order. Yeah, I'm I'm watching them all together and I'm talking about them out of order. But like Jess is becoming my favorite like minor character. But for me, that that throw that she does to first base. Like I, I've been talking about MVP more in terms of like who, who had, no, no, no. I haven't been talking about it in terms of play, but for some reason that throw, but then there's also, it's so subtle, but when dove goes to talk to the guys, um, about who are heckling, he says, if you want to fish for snapper, you can't go after it like a steel hand with sand shrimp. Yeah. I'm like, what are you? What? And everybody is like, what? And then just like in behind him, Jess is like, "Mm, he's right. Like she's the one person who gets it. She's and like her face when she's like going up for review and she's like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Like, like doesn't realize I don't know doesn't realize it's about the makeup yeah yeah just so good with like she's given so little screen time but with every line just kills it for me Mm -hmm. what were any strikes for you in the episode but I think we know I think it's the crab on the plates yeah I mean for me I was like is that fine china or porcelain at a crab world like that is not my experience even the ones that I've done in like high society, it's there's still there's still an element of it like being on a table. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's never like on a plate so perfectly, if that makes any sense. It's like a pile right. of meat. Could it make sense in the context that Clance was trying to put on this like nice dinner party and maybe thought like, oh, we're going to do a fancy crab boil. But it wouldn't be the crab boil part. It would be like the crystal that you lay out that everyone's drinking sweet tea out of, like the glassware. Yeah. And then, and then you would have really nice, um, 
I don't know what they're called, but how you would like crack open a crab leg. It yeah, would, yeah, yeah. Be the I don't know. I mean, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but it's like, what's the point of having her in the backyard? You seeing like barbecue vibes, low, like what what's the point of it being in the backyard if you're not gonna, you know, make it what it's supposed to look like? Right, right. But I still appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. I, if I was there, would I still eat it off a porcelain plate? I fucking would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not discriminating against the food because it was presented nicer. <laughs> I think the only miss for me, and maybe this is me just being like a dummy and like just being distracted by other things in the episode. But the first time I watched it, I didn't realize that the woman at the end was the woman who came in the salon in the beginning. Like, because she only showed up in the beginning at the salon. And then I'm just like, who's this mystery woman? And There's it was also lots like, of people that feel like they're not important. Right. Then again, you're like, fuck, where, where did I see you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of forgot. I'm like, where did this person come from? So maybe had there been like another run in with that person or maybe had she been at the crab thing and it was like, yeah. oh, Mrs. Whatever. Nice. See, you know, then or like your nails look great, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, then that would have helped me realize it but but that's you know small things small things of the show uh what was the home run for you of this episode you know what it's not really a home run but i did laugh really hard when she sees the crab being broiled before (laughs) she gets the crab and she's having a breakdown and that woman comes in she's like I'm so sad too, girl. Yeah. I did <laughs> laugh like that. I was like, I enjoy the lightness of that. Yeah. And the physical humor of that. Yeah. That I, I liked that. For sure. I love that. Yeah. For me, like on the emotional level, it's that little speech that I read out that Greta gives of like, they don't get to tell us if it's real. Like, yeah. it just kind of like sums up the thing for everybody in the episode. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, these people can like get in your way and tell you this and tell you that, but like you make your own reality. But also (laughs) I love Clance interacting with those boys in the neighborhood that are like her comic book nemesis. Yeah. When she's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to call you Big T or what he's like, call me Big, Big. C. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's like, no, I'm not going to fucking call you Big C. Get the fuck up out of my face. Yeah. That, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Those. Oh, yeah. Those rowdy kids. Yeah. So good. Her acting is incredible. She's also in the writer's yeah, room, too. And like, oh, she is. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Extra innings. Is there anything else about this episode that is worth mentioning or anything about like the show in general? Any- I think we should give a special shout out to the yellow dress. The, the yellow dress. Oil. Okay. Yes. yes. Yellow dress, crab oil. Love it. Thank you so much, Jess, for recapping episode two with me. Where can people follow you on social media and see what you're up to? Ooh, please follow me at embrace underscore mess on Instagram and I host two monthly shows at Union Hall in Brooklyn uh, on Union Avenue. It's a, they're both a ton of fun. Yes. Um, follow Union Hall, see when my shows are, um, or you can follow me and see when my shows are. Lots of fun. 
So good. All right, Jess, thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Remember to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Leave a review if you're feeling generous. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at League of Their Own Pod Recap and on the stories I've been posting fun little polls and questions and ways to interact. So let's keep that up. Love hearing from all of you. And I'll see you back here for episode three, which is going to be featuring one of the writers from the show. So you're not going to want to miss that. You reach your destination, but alas, and alack. You need some compensation to get back in the black. You take a morning paper from the top of the stack and read the situation from the front to the back. The only job that's open needs a man with a knack. So put it right back in the rack. Jack, choo-choo, choo-choo-chibooge, woo-woo, woo-woo-chibooge, choo-choo, choo-choo-chibooge, take me right back to the track.